Hey, it's Pat. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. In case you're not familiar with me, I've been helping people retire for over 20 years now, author of the book Save Your Retirement, and host of the Save Your Retirement radio show. Our goal with this show is to provide you with valuable and timely information to help you plan your retirement, or if you're already retired, help you make the most of it. Ultimately, we want to help you use your money to accomplish your goals and dreams and to help you avoid any stress and fear with your finances and instead replace those with confidence and peace of mind. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe so you won't miss future episodes. Also, if you'd like to give us a great rating, it would mean so much to us and it helps get the word out so we can share this valuable information with others. Thank you so much. And now here's this week's episode. This radio show is a paid placement. continues to walk a tightrope between taming inflation without triggering a full-blown recession and a down market is the last thing baby boomers want as we approach peak 65. We'll tell you what that is here in just a moment. Plus, we're almost halfway through the year 2022. So how are you feeling about your financial goals for this year? We've got a lot to get to today. We're so glad you're here with us on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. I am Jen Rizak alongside Pat. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists. And Pat, before we get into all of our money talk, let's just take a quick moment to recognize it's Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to you, Pat. Thank you so much. You know, this is such a fun time of year. Our girls are now officially school age, quote unquote, graduating from kindergarten and first grade, <laughs> right? And so we've fully moved into the now, okay, it's there's school season, then there's summer season, you know? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a fun time. But we were, uh, I had uh, Gabby, our oldest seven-year-old uh, at the pool the other day, and she picked a game, which was jumping into the pool, and then she would act like something. I had to guess what it was. Oh, okay? I, I hate those games so much. It's, well, at first, she was going to do animals, but I got the first three, and she thought that was too easy. Oh. So then she could literally do anything. Oh, boy. And she walked up with kind of a smile on her face, and she did some really weird gestures with her hands, and I was like, I have no idea. And she said, I'm mommy. And I said, what, were, what, were you, <laughs> what, what was she that? doing? And she said, oh, she was holding her purse with one hand and texting in the uh. other. <laughs> <laughs> Mom got caught. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, I what, love it. that's what that's what she said. Oh yeah, I'm busted. Oh man, but those games where they're miming something or showing yes. it's my ten year old brought this Lego starship thing that he made, and he says, "Okay, mom, well tell me what's different about it." And I said, "From what?" And he said, "I built it three months ago. What's different about it now?" And just the sheer panic that runs through me when it's like I don't know what's different about this Lego <laughs> starship. Or when they draw something or they're acting something out, it's like, I don't know what you're doing. Gosh, yeah. kids. <laughs> you just yeah. panic. And, and I, you know, I'm I'm on round two of this. I'm, I really try and treasure, you know, all that of stuff. Course. And I love, so Gabby loves to draw and color and everything. So I absolutely adore my, you know, handmade gifts. But at the same time, she's prolific. And you know how there's hmm. hundreds of pieces of paper around the mm-hmm. house. And so... You know, we had a situation where Janelle had thrown some things out and it was found and that did not go over well. Was, that was, you know, a gasp of massive proportions. And so <laughs> I had the brilliant idea to say, hey, if there's, you know, excess stuff, I'll take it to the office and throw it out. And then, of course, <laughs> on the weekend, we said, oh, let's stop by the office and go oh, grab no. this thing. And then <laughs> you got caught again. <laughs> I said, who oh, put those in my trash can? <laughs> oh, I know that's painful. But sometimes yeah. you've got to make those decisions. Uh, not not to get too mean here, but we can't keep all that stuff. We got to downgrade, I guess, some of it. We can't hang on to all of it. And uh, that that's actually my transition into what we're going to talk about today with what's going on with the economy, Pat. BlackRock has downgraded U.S. stocks to neutral, much like some of our kids' artwork gets downgraded, demoted <laughs> from the fridge. Very nice. Um, and note published by the asset manager reads, in part, and I want to get your take on this quote here, we see no clear catalyst for a rebound. If they hike interest rates too much, they risk triggering a recession. If they tighten not enough, the risk becomes runaway inflation. It's tough to see a perfect outcome. What a place for us to be in. <laughs> or the Fed to be in right now. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, when we look at the economy and the stock market right now, Jen, we see it both from a short-term and a long-term perspective. And so what was talking about, and of course, what Wall Street and all these analysts love to do is they always look at the today, you know, because that's the news cycle of, you know, as if anyone has a, a crystal ball, I can actually tell you what's going to happen, right? But clearly, uh, we are in a very difficult situation right now. There was massive, unprecedented stimulus that happened with COVID. And, and of course, I think everyone agrees uh, we're glad the government did something. Um, now, did they do too much and did it last too long? That's something that we can argue about. But the reality is, is they're definitely painted into a corner right now. So, you know, no one knows if, you know, things are going to, they have to rein in inflation. And can they do that without, you know, triggering a very serious problem in our economy? That's kind of the first step, I would say, Jen. But the second step I would add is the other thing analysts are talking about is we've also had one of the greatest, you know, last seven to 10 years of stock and bond mm. runs. Mm -hmm. And um, that just lends the analysis to look like that can't continue. So even regardless of whether we dip into a recession or not, there's major storm clouds on the horizon for the stock market. And um, so it's really, it's a, such a good time to be looking at the current situation, looking at your own finances and seeing if, you know, if you're positioned properly for where we stand right now. And you're right that it's kind of hard to go wrong when everything is going up. It's kind of like no matter where you're putting your money, it's going to do well. A lot of people, Pat, have those target date retirement funds in their 401ks. That's kind of an easy kind of set it and forget it kind of approach that a lot of people take where you you plug in the year of your retirement and then mm -hmm. it is supposed to kind of automate some of this. But let's talk a little bit about when we have a big change in what's going on with our economy. We have inflation. We have a possible recession. We have another election cycle coming up. So that could kind of throw throw another wrench into the works. Conflicts overseas. What's the danger of sticking with that set it and forget it approach and assuming that everything's going to get adjusted the way it needs to be if we've got our money in something like that? Yeah, that's such a good question, Jen. I, I think certainly in my life, I love anything I can automate, yes. anything I can set it and forget <laughs> it. It's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, I think about um, I've had as our business has grown, I've had people say, oh, you need to get a bookkeeper or, you know, this accounting type service. And when I ask them what they do, they say, oh, we take care of all your bills. And I'm thinking, well, they're all set it and forget it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have them auto charged and I just, I just, you know, uh, reconcile it at right. the end of the month. And so it's not that much work. So in investing, as you mentioned, you know, target date funds generally are used most commonly in 401ks. And you might even be automatically placed into a target date fund. And they might target, say, when you turn age 65 or something like that. I find, Jen, that that's a really helpful tool to use if you're just getting started with investing um, mm -hmm. or if you are um, in a situation where it doesn't make sense to hire a, um, a financial advisor or a retirement planner. Um, you know, you're just kind of putting a little bit into your 401k or something like that. However, as you mentioned, there is a danger there. And the danger with a target date fund, uh, there's a couple of them. One is, you know, you're usually kind of, you are forgetting it in, in mm -hmm. many cases, and you're not really thinking about what it's invested in. And then the other big problem there is, generally speaking, it's invested fully into stocks and bonds. And over the last 10 years, that's worked really, really well. But we're in a situation right now that we have not seen in many, many decades, which not only is the stock market value very high, and a lot of people are worried about when it's going to be taking a big hit. But the second thing is interest rates are finally coming back up, which is bad for bonds. So you have a situation this year where you're seeing negative returns in stocks and negative returns in bonds. So regardless of what you know, target date you have, you're seeing losses. And I know there's a lot of people that are thinking, how in the world am I losing money? That was, that was right. the whole point of why I did this. So, so it's really kind of digging a little deeper and just understanding that is the challenge with a target date fund. And that's the reason why if you are getting closer and closer to retirement, if you're accumulating, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a nest egg, then you have enough that you really need to be thinking about maybe I need to have someone else looking at this. Maybe I need to get a second opinion. And that's the reason we offer that with one of our advisors to listeners of the show at no cost and no obligation. To take advantage of that, you just have to call 803-9-RETIRE. It's an opportunity to do a portfolio review, take a look at where you're at with your nest egg, but also where you're trying to go and help you see if you're in the right place for where we are in these markets. Once again, there's no cost and no obligation for today's listeners if you call 803 
1989 retired. Talking today with Pat Struby. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists. And Pat, something else that I mentioned at the start of the show is peak 65. This is a term describing that point in time when more Americans will turn age 65 than any other point in history. And we're going to see that. It's projected to happen in 2024. So let's talk about, for those who are inching close to retirement, let's talk about why this is such a significant milestone for somebody thinking about retirement, especially from your perspective, as helping this wave of people as they retire. Yeah, peak 65 is really interesting. If you thinking about that statement one more time that you said, um, this is the time in history where more Americans will turn 65 than any other time. It's and crazy. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I, I love to read about finance and retirement, things like that. And one of the authors talked about how We've been through so many things in our country, but this has literally never happened before. So no one can tell you they know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's unprecedented again. So that's concerning because we can learn from history, but we haven't had this situation happen before. And I think the two things that a lot of people are wondering as we really kind of look at this situation is you have a massive number of people that are approaching retirement age and then will be leaving work. Um, so that's going to affect employment. Then we also have uh, how that's going to affect Social Security. You have all these people that are contributing to Social Security. And guess what's going to happen when they retire? They're probably going to want to start drawing on that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Social Security is already under a lot of pressure. And then one of the things I know a lot of uh, economists uh, have had theories about and have wondered about is uh, you have all of these people that are contributing to their 401ks right now. And they're going to be rolling those 401ks out and they're going to be drawing off of those. And that could apply a significant amount of pressure to those stock and bond funds that have those investments in there. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what happens uh, in the next couple of years. And a lot of people are, are definitely very curious to see how America is resilient. It's the best country in the world. Uh, but at the same time, this is something we have not experienced before, and it is going to put a lot of pressure on us. Right. And let's add to the fact that most people don't have that plan to help them navigate this. Nearly 70% of Americans are missing that written financial plan. And Pat, people without a plan, they do tend to feel less confident about their future. That's exactly right. And I know a lot of you are worried that you haven't saved enough or that you won't even be able to retire. And I know that most of you don't have a written financial plan. And a written financial plan can help you feel more financially stable. So you don't have to be one of those people worried if your money will last or if you can even afford to retire. We have a process for helping you create an income strategy. And we start with what we call our five-step retirement review. If you're listening right now and you don't have an income strategy, and based on the statistics, you probably don't, I invite you to call so we can help you Create a spending plan to figure out how much you'll need for retirement you've been dreaming about. Uncover the main risks posing a threat to your retirement, including inflation, stock market volatility, potential tax increases, and skyrocketing health costs. Learn the options for generating income in retirement. There's no cost and no obligation, but you do need to have saved at least $250,000 for retirement. Call 803-9-RETIRE to get started. Once again, that's 803-9-RETIRE. Take advantage of this special opportunity from Pat to help make sure you won't run out of money and you may even be able to boost your returns over time. So get started today at 803-9-RETIRE. This is Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. We'll be back. Hi, this is John Farley. For the past 12 years, you've seen me on TV. But before becoming a meteorologist, my first degree was actually in finance. My parents, like a lot of people, didn't know much about the financial world. As a result, they got exploited by some not-so-honest folks. That's why finance has always been a passion of mine, and for the last six years I've been working with the team at Preservation Specialists to help people just like you plan for your retirement. What I love about Preservation Specialists is that we are locally owned and fiercely independent. That means we simply work for you. If that's what you want in a financial advisor, then give us a call now at 803-9-RETIRE. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Don't make the same mistakes my parents did. Work with an advisor who can help get you to and through retirement successfully. 803-9-RETIRE. Firm offers insurance services. Investment advisory services offered through Kalos Capital, Inc. To schedule a visit for your own customized five-step retirement review, call right now, 803-973-8473. 
That's 803-9-RETIRE. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. I am Jen Rizak, happy to be here alongside Pat. He is the author of the books, Save Your Retirement and The Retirement Secret. And we're going to be talking right now about another book, actually. There are millions of articles online about investing, tax planning, budgeting, everything you can think of when it comes to preparing for retirement. And there are all these important facts to know. And when it comes to your financial future, knowledge is power. But, Pat, there is more to financial success than book smarts. There's, there's actually a psychology of money. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, I definitely have, you know, that analytical brain. So when I was in college and learning about finance and investing and taxes and all those things, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be a financial planner and then I'm going to analyze things with spreadsheets. And then Mm -hmm. that's what everyone will do. And I quickly learned that human beings, I'm actually kind of a weirdo and most normal human beings don't think the way I do. And yeah, I mean, handling money is incredibly emotional and the psychology is incredible and that goes with you know whether you use cash versus a credit card um you know investing in the stock market of course the emotions of that the roller coaster i mean we can go on and on and on there's so many ways where the psychology of money affects us and it's a really important topic right it's all about behavior and you know before we get into this um audio from morgan housel that we have Pat, I think pretty much any parent understands what can happen where you plan something out on paper and then you get your children involved <laughs> and then what actually happens and how this actually unfolds. I mean, we, we see this all the time in our own households, but it plays out with adults <laughs> and their yes. money as well, right? <laughs> it does. And, you know, as being, you know, I've been a financial planner my whole adult life. So, you know, my kids it's not easy on them because I'm trying to teach them mm. lessons about money all the time, you know, and I, I, who knows if any of that will stick or not, but it's, it's worth, <laughs> worth a right. try at least because, because we all need it is yeah. that's the bottom line. Exactly. Well, and we can all just, I think we've all been there where you plan out a thing and then a four-year-old shows up and they have their own <laughs> ideas for how they're going to make all this work. And, and so, you know, that happens with kids, but gosh, we, we have all these emotions and all these behavioral things about our money too. So Morgan Housel, is a partner at Collaborative Fund. He is a former columnist at The Motley Fool and The Wall Street Journal, and he's the author of this book called The Psychology of Money. And he he has a lot of really interesting things to say here, but he says there's more to financial success than just what you know about the world of money and the world of finance. But I think there's so much evidence that what matters in investing is not about what you know, It's not about how smart you are. It's not about where you went to school. It's just how you behave. It's about your relationship with greed and fear, your ability to take a long-term mindset, who you trust, how gullible you are, who you seek your information from. That's what actually matters. That's what moves the needle. And we tend to ignore that because it is not analytical. Right. I I think that is so interesting, especially when Mm. he talks about how gullible you are. What do you believe? I mean, my gosh, there's a lot that can factor into how we behave about our money. Yeah, and I think so much he says there is just right on the money. And I think the example that I think of that's fairly recent would be Bitcoin. Mm. And when you think of we all are affected in one way or another by either fear or greed or both, right? It depends on our personality. But I will say that I am generally not affected by the greed side of I have to get more return than everyone else or so-and-so told me they made this. I want to make one more percentage points or anything. I'm a very low key. My company's name is preservation specialist. We want to preserve your money and kind of, you know, the tortoise beats the hair kind of a thing. But even my insides, my gut reaction when, you know, someone tells me, Oh, I tripled my money in a week in Bitcoin. And I started thinking my, my immediate thought is that's crazy. You can't trust something like that. But then the more times you start to hear it, you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should kind of check that out, you know, that kind of a thing. And that's where, that's where having a outside person to bounce ideas off of can be just unbelievably valuable because, you know, history has story after story after story of smart 
analytical people that lose it all mm-hmm. because because they either fall to greed or to fear. And so it, it's and that that'll be till the end of time. So it's just important. We can't fix these things, but we can at least understand them. And then also, you know, if you're working with a professional like us, then you have someone to bounce those things off of and, and to help <laughs> protect us from ourselves. So how do you see people struggle with this or have you seen much of that retirees struggling with those reactions or that mental or that emotional side of their money? Yeah, I mean, we um, part of the structure of, of our entire business, our models, Jen, is based on trying to help protect people in this way. And I think of in 2000, 2001, when the tech bubble crashed, thankfully, uh, you know, most of my clients were, were broke 20-somethings like me. So, so if they had any money that, that crashed, it was only you know a couple right. thousand bucks. Um, 2008, 2009, uh, thankfully, we had a very conservative approach. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of losses. Uh, but when COVID hit, uh, the whole idea of the financial house, the whole concept of that, Jen, was really to help people understand if you do have money that's at risk, uh, we have plenty of money in other places, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to react. And I was so thrilled to say that we did not have clients calling panicking. Everyone understood either, hey, we've we've taken very little risk, or if we have taken a little more risk, there's a reason for that. And so that's the main thing that we wanted to make sure because we have to protect ourselves from ourselves. And also, if you are retiring or close to it, we all know you can't just count on having all your, the market going up every single year. It's not possible for that to happen. And so no one wants to be retired, have all your money in the market, and then some type of pandemic happens and you have to stop taking income. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that makes no mm-hmm. sense, right? We all know it makes right. no sense. So I think these are the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about. But it means you have to overcome your greed because you might have a balanced portfolio that makes 5 or 6 or 7% when the market's up 10 or 11 and your neighbor's bragging about what they made and you're thinking, well, I wish I made more than this jerk, you know? <laughs> thing. Um, And so that's where the psychology comes in. I think we have really built something here that has stood the test of time, um, you know, when there's been those kinds of drops. And the bottom line is, we'd love to make, you know, great returns for our clients, but way more important is peace of mind. And so that's what we're, we're always trying to build and that we think our clients have really appreciated. And, you know, if you think getting a review and looking at that and looking at your current situation, whether that's something that makes sense for you to make changes now or down the road, it's a great opportunity to take advantage of our five-step no cost, no obligation retirement review. All you have to do to get started is call 803-9-RETIRE. This is a great opportunity to talk with one of our planners about where you stand right now and where you're heading in the future. Again, all you have to do to get started is call 803-9-RETIRE. Talking about the psychology of money today, both as a concept and as a book written by Morgan Housel. And he says, we almost have it backwards, he says, when it comes to how we teach finance. You know, what is most important gets most ignored in this field. And even when we are teaching basic financial skills to people, it's the math equations and how to balance a checkbook, which are, which are great skills. I'm not, I'm not demeaning those in the slightest, but there's so much evidence that all that matters, all that matters, that's the right word to use, is just how, is your behavior with money. And I say that because you can be the smartest person in the world. You can have a PhD in finance from MIT, but if you lose your head during a market decline, if you panic during a market decline, none of your intelligence matters. Do you think, Pat, any truth to that? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, as a financial planner for a long time, and and I'm a pretty big reader, and also I listen to information, I thought I'd heard all of the tales of, oh, you wouldn't believe how someone lost it all with Mm -hmm. this or that, you know? And I I actually read one recently that um, Isaac Newton certainly considered one of the smartest people you know you would think his intelligence was so sophisticated right and late in life actually he fell to one of these bubbles that happened and he took all of his accumulated wealth which was substantial and he put it all in at the very peak of one of these bubbles and the whole thing crashed and he ended up he ended up broke yeah it's just one of those things where we can't help ourselves you know he clearly he had a perfectly good plan and he fell to the greed aspect of it because probably everyone else was saying oh you're an idiot because you're missing out on all this you know what i mean and so yeah it's just accurate and it's unfortunate but that's our nature do you think there are other areas where your behavior matters as much or more than your actual intelligence (laughs) <laughs> That's a great kind question. Of a big question. Yeah. It is. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, certainly, you know, my expertise lies in the financial realm. Sure. And and I think that that is just the the one that is the most obvious time and time again is um, how any money that you save 
uh, and whatever you do with it, we all have an, atta- an emotional attachment mm-hmm. to that money. And I think of, you know, if someone has, uh, I was just meeting with a client recently and they had uh, one account that was specifically with their growth account and it had grown and grown and grown and the market had come back a lot over the course of a week. And they immediately pointed to, well, this is the number it was at its, its highest value because that's what we all lock in in our brain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's all my money. That should never go down, you know? <laughs> right. And so we all have these different, you know, triggers that we cling to. But the reality is, of course, if you've got a growth account in the market, it can't always go straight up. And so just understanding those things and reminding ourselves of those things are really important. Once again, that's the value of having an advisor uh, right alongside you and and helping you through that process. If you don't have someone right now, or if you're not sure that the person you have is the right one for the time of life you're in right now, call us at 803-9-RETIRE. You can meet with one of our planners at absolutely no cost and no obligation for our five-step retirement review. That number again is 803-9-RETIRE. It's as if the entire world of finance is putting the cart before the horse when it comes to how we learn about financial concepts and how we implement them in the real world. We talk a lot about financial knowledge and know-how, but today we're learning there's a psychology of money. Save Your Retirement continues in just a moment. Stay with us. You've heard Pat on radio. Now you can see him on television. Tune in Sunday mornings during the 7 o'clock news on WIS-TV, Columbia's NBC Channel 10. new book, The Retirement Secret, is now available. It's a companion to his first book, Save Your Retirement. Order yours right now at Amazon.com. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. I am Jen Rizak, happy to be here alongside Pat. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists, and it's as if the entire world of finances is putting the cart before the horse when it comes to how we learn about financial concepts and how we implement them in the real world. That's what we're talking about today. We talk a lot about financial knowledge and financial know-how and all these facts we need to know about taxes and Social Security. But today we're learning that there is a psychology of money. And we've been sharing some clips from Morgan Housel, who he is an author, a financial author. He wrote the book, The Psychology of Money. If you get caught up in uh, the excitement of a bubble, none of your intelligence, none of your academic credentials, none of the fact that you know the formulas, none of that matters if you're going to lose your cool when it matters most. That's why the behavior is not just an important part, it's really the base of the pyramid. And until you've checked that box of figuring out your own financial psychology, none of the analytical skills matter until then. So Pat, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the previous segment as well, but I just think it's important that we understand we can know so much about the world of finance, but if we lose our cool (laughs) when it comes (laughs) to the markets or anything going haywire, none of that matters, right? That's exactly right, because you can undo so much hard work with a couple of bad decisions. Yes. You know, whether, whether you decide to, you know, if your planner tells you we need to diversify and you have a nice diversified plan, and then you want to chase the ones that have the best return or put everything into one thing and then, you know, you time it poorly. I mean, on and on and on, there's so many horror stories of things that can happen. One example that this reminds me of, Jen, is back in 2008, 2009, there was the housing crisis uh, the mortgage crisis and then you know the stock market crashed about in half. I mean, this was a really mm-hmm. horrendous you know financial scenario. And I remember clients just kind of wondering, like, is this the end of the economic world? And financial advisors saying, what's going on? And someone told me at that time, if you think about you know right before that happened, they were kind of letting anyone have as big of a mortgage as they wanted, right? Right. And then after all that happened, they had to completely change that, and then it became almost impossible to get a mortgage. Yeah. And I was talking to someone, or I was reading something. And they, they mentioned something very powerful, which was they said most things in economics are like the pendulum on a grandfather clock. And it's usually it's swinging from one direction to the other. It's very rarely right in the middle where it should be. And so what happens is leading up to 2007, 2008, everything is going fine. So the banks are thinking, well, we'll just keep letting more and more people borrow. It's working. It's working. It's working. And it mm-hmm. goes completely to an extreme until there's this panic. And then it whips back the other direction and to the point where they won't let anyone borrow money for right. any reason at right. all. And my point to all of that is when you know Morgan's talking about you need to be 
able to think properly in a bubble. My point is that it's very rare that we're in just kind of a standard economy where everything is right where it should be. You know, we live in an imperfect world, and so things are going to be imperfect all the time. Uh, so is the stock market too high right now? Uh, we don't know. It certainly seems very high to me. Is inflation, you know, is it out of control? Uh, we don't know yet. I mean, mm -hmm. these are kinds of things that, you know, with any type of market, any type of economy, we just don't know. And so that's why... Uh, having a plan and, and understanding the fundamentals. And, and again, this is one of the things that many studies have shown the value of having a financial professional you're working with to kind of tighten the reins and help you stay on track on your plan can be so valuable. Well, I know, Pat, so many times we talk about the stock market and that kind of thing, but I, I do want to talk about the housing market for just a second because you mentioned that as you know what went on with the mortgage crisis and the housing bubble. We actually, that was when my husband and I were buying our first home and mm. I had a job and my salary was going to be like $25,000 a year, okay? Great. He didn't have a job yet. <laughs> we qualified for like a half a million dollar mortgage. Oh, wow. And I remember looking at him like, what on earth? What would we do? <laughs> I mean, how would we ever pay this back? But it was such a crazy time. You're right. And then it you know, made the swing back the other way. But yeah. we were so excited to have a house. Like, we could have made a very bad decision there. We could have assumed that we would be better off in a shorter amount of time than what we actually were. We could have reacted in so many different ways. Thankfully, we stuck with something more in our price range. And then you look at what happened with the housing market, Pat, after the pandemic. And you have yeah. all of these people like panic selling, panic buying. My yeah. sister was trying to buy a home. She had to buy it like sight unseen, could only think about it for like an hour before yeah. she made an offer. It's easy to lose your cool <laughs> with some of these things when things are really frantic. I know that's talking about the housing market, but similar things happen with the stock market, too, where we just start reacting so fast. We do. And that's a great example of a situation where you and your husband could have made a life-altering decision yeah. if you decided to max out that mortgage. And who knows if you would have ended up you know, having to declare bankruptcy or the worst-case scenarios that could come of that. I mean, that could devastate you financially for a long time. So any of these situations, you know, we all have financial opportunities, good or bad, that happen to us throughout our lives. And how do we react to those? And the reality is, you know, the most robotic of us uh, of all, which I'm on that side, still have emotions <laughs> involved and still happens. And, and there's, you know, it brings to mind in our first meetings with someone getting to know them. One of the topics that comes up is, you know, where you're at financially. And sometimes it brings up, you know, maybe something they have that they regret or, you know, it was a bad investment or something like that. And the most common reaction to that, Jen, is just embarrassment. And I always say, please understand that no one would ever expect you to make all perfect financial decisions in your life. It's just a crazy level to put yourself on to expect that. I've been a financial professional my entire adult life and I've made bad financial decisions. You know, it's right. just, it's reality. And so we, we can't put ourselves on this expectation of absolute perfection at all time. What we have to understand is we're humans and we need to try to do the best we can to understand the facts and to make the best educated decision we can. But, you know, what I love about going through, you know, some of Morgan Housel's information is it helps to just understand the psychology and how we think about things. And once again, I do think it just ties back in the value of working with a professional that can help you either identify those blind spots we might have or to actually protect you from yourself in a worst case scenario like a housing or a stock market crash. And so that's the reason we always encourage our listeners, if you're not working with a professional or, or you if you are working with someone but it's not a close relationship, you're not getting good communication there, call us now at 803-9-RETIRE. It's the reason we offer our five-step retirement review at absolutely no cost and no obligation. It's simply a chance to talk with one of our retirement planners, see where you're at today, and see if there's ways that you can improve on your path into the future. Once again, all you have to do is call 803-9-RETIRE. Talking today with Pat Struby. He is with Preservation Specialists, and we have one last lesson here on our behavior and finances. Morgan Housel is the author of the book, The Psychology of Money. We've been talking a little bit about his book and hearing from him today. And I, I really enjoy this one, Pat. He says one of his first jobs was as a valet at a fancy hotel in LA. Mm. And he learned a lot, he said, from being around a lot of very wealthy people all of the time. I think what was really interesting to me was getting to know some of these people who were driving Ferraris and Rolls Royces. Some of them actually were not even that wealthy. 
they were like mediocre, successful people who spent half their income on a, on a car lease payment. And that to me was really astounding because that just blew apart all of the impressions, my first impressions that I had of these people. So that was a really formative experience that taught me a lot about the psychology of money. That's interesting, too, because you have those people, Pat, who have that appearance of wealth, and then you have those people who don't have that appearance, but who potentially have a lot more than we realize. And that's another <laughs> another one of these areas with how we act about money and how important is it to show that we have it or not. Yeah, it's a great opposites that you just gave there. And I think that it does remind me, you know, I was raised in a household, you know, my, my grandparents were all farmers in southern Indiana. And my grandpa was in the army for a long time. Hmm. And it was all about, you know, just those traditional financial ideas of don't borrow what you can't afford, pay cash whenever you can, pay off your debts as fast as you can, just those kind of basic things that that's certainly not something that people talk about very much anymore. Right. So my assumption was if someone has something, they can afford it. And that was something I learned in this field. And someone said something to me about somebody who I didn't know very well. And they said, how on earth can they afford all that? And my answer was, they may not be able to, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's the reality of that. And boy, you, you kind of swung it to the other direction there, Jen, the point of sometimes people have a lot and you have no idea. And there was actually a huge best-selling book many years ago called The Millionaire Next Door. And, you know, certainly some of our clients are millionaires, some are not, but a lot of them have that mentality, you know, where, mm -hmm. where sometimes people who are younger and they hear of someone being a millionaire and they think, how could anyone ever accumulate that? Well, there's people with very very boring, very simple jobs, you know, teachers, nurses, right. plumbers, whatever. But if you just start saving when you're younger and the power of compound interest works, you know, and of course you're not spending it all, you're right. actually socking some away. And so it's, it really is, uh, those are valuable lessons uh, for all of us as far as how, do we, how to handle our money. Right. And I think this kind of ties into another financial behavior that we sometimes see the fear of missing out. We have this fear of missing out. We see people posting something on Instagram and they have this wealth and I'm missing out on that. Or, or you talked earlier about some of the investments people talk about. What mm. happens if we are driven by that fear of missing out and we let that drive our decisions? This reminds me, Jen, of something our advisor team, you know, there's five of us here, something we talk about all the time as we meet with our clients and work with them and guide them. And that is, there's probably some perfect balance in our lives of enjoying today as much as we can, but also preparing for the future. Mm -hmm. And there's some type of like absolute perfect like ratio that we can do that with. And no one's even close to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like we have, depending on yeah. how we were raised and what's happened in our lives, most of us fall so far away from that, either to the extreme of, I can't miss out right now and I want to spend and do everything right now and who knows if I'll be around tomorrow versus the person that has so much angst and stress over spending anything and they want to accumulate and pile all of it up. And it's just that that psychology alone is absolutely fascinating. And we want to always try and help our clients bring them back towards the middle. So if they tend to spend way too much, we need to help save them from themselves and, and make sure they have money in case they live longer than they expect to. And if they're not enjoying it, we're just here to point out the facts that, hey, you could take more income every month and enjoy your money. I mean, and think about what it's for. And if you don't want to spend it, then do you have a church or a charity you want to give it to? It can do good. You know, it doesn't have to just sit and accumulate over time. And so those are the kinds of conversations that, that are not just the, the nuts and bolts and analytical that are a little more real life and, and you know, a little bit about those, the fear of missing out and the emotions. And that can be incredibly valuable. And if you'd like to have that type of valuable conversation with one of our planners, call us now at 803-9-RETIRE. We always offer listeners of our show a five-step retirement review at absolutely no cost and no obligation. Take advantage while our planners still have slots on their calendar by calling 803-9-RETIRE. We have more coming up on Save Your Retirement, but now it's time for today's Medicare Minute with author and Medicare expert, Tim Hanbury. Have you ever heard of the income-related monthly adjustment amount or IRMA before? Well, don't feel bad. Most people haven't either. IRMA is a surcharge to the cost of Part B and Part D premiums for individuals based on their income from two years ago. If your income was above 87000 as a single person or 174000 if you're married, you'll receive an IRMA charge. I won't get into all the details, but no, IRMA can add about $70 to about $425 per month to your cost depending on your income. So if you have a higher income or sold a property, received a bonus or deferred compensation, you may run into this. Please know there is a process to reduce or eliminate these costs once you're on Medicare. 
if your income will be less in retirement than it was two years ago, then it makes sense to appeal this charge. Your financial planner can also show you ways to reduce your taxable income prior to retirement, which helps reduce or eliminate these charges before they happen. Please take some time to understand your Medicare options. Medicare, properly designed, would be the best insurance you ever had. Visit Tim's website, MedicareBlueprint.com, to download a free copy of his book. Or if you would like to talk with Tim, call 803-9-RETIRE to schedule a consultation. You can schedule a free 15-minute phone consultation with the team at Preservation Specialists right now. Call 803-973-8473. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. There are so many big decisions that you have to weigh as you head into retirement, and we like to take one of those big decisions and really dive into the pros and cons. We call this our retirement yay or nay segment here on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. And Pat, this week's topic is, I think, an interesting one, weighing whether to leave an inheritance or not. What do you think of that? I love it. I absolutely love it because I've seen, you know, the thinking on this change so much, yeah. Jen, over my career. And of course, you know, it changes wildly from family to family. So I, I think this is an awesome topic to dig into. I know. And it really has changed quite a bit. This is not Downton Abbey anymore for all of us where you have like this massive inheritance. You know, you, you're you a fan of Downton Abbey. Maybe oh, not. yeah. Yeah. Every night. <laughs> so oh, <yeah>. your thing. <laughs> so your thing. Well, we're going to get, you know, kind of British or I guess Scottish here for a moment, quite distasteful is how Daniel Craig (laughs) would describe the idea of leaving his children a massive inheritance. And we're seeing this from a lot of celebrities, right? So Daniel Craig, as you know and love, is an actor who did play James Bond. And his quote is, isn't there an old adage that if you die a rich person, you failed? And he says, Mm. get rid of it or give it away before you go, is his philosophy. And so just, again, picture his lovely accent. Hear that in your mind (laughs) as we're talking about this. Bill Gates, not the same accent at all, um, has made philanthropy his mission for many years now. He said it's not a favor to kids to give them huge sums of wealth. So that's kind of an interesting one. Gene Simmons of KISS says he grew up poor and wants to pass down a serious appreciation of money to his children. He doesn't want to leave them broke but he doesn't want them to become rich off of his money. So some interesting examples from the rich and famous, but we might be starting to see this with some of our our more average citizens as well, right? Yeah, and by the way, before we touch on the financial angle, if we go back through that list, Daniel Craig, Bill Gates, and Gene Simmons, what a fabulous dinner party that would be, right? Uh, Wouldn't it be fun? Let's just bring them together and have them chat. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And I think, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, who's probably the most famous investor of all Uh time, he had said something that really struck me once. He said, uh, when he was talking about giving away the vast majority of his enormous fortune, he said, I'm going to leave my children enough money so they can do anything, but I will not give them enough money so they can do nothing. Mm. And I thought that was such a cool Hmm. quote. uh, And it really gets you to thinking most of the families that build a tremendous amount of wealth, there's a very consistent theme, and this happens with small businesses too, the first generation that creates it, of course, builds up significant wealth. A lot of times they don't spend a lot. The second generation usually maintains it, and that's because they were around, they actually saw the hard work it took Mm, to mm -hmm. build the business and the wealth, and then the third generation usually fritters it away because they weren't around to see the hard work. So I, I think it really is a fascinating topic to think about. You know, we have a lot of clients that do not consider themselves rich, but, you know, if we're doing a pretty good job with their investments and they're enjoying their retirement but not spending wildly, because of the fact that we don't know how long we're going to live, it's quite possible, uh, because it's very hard to spend your last dollar on your last day, it's quite possible that the kids may inherit a debt-free home, they may inherit a nest egg of three hundred, five hundred thousand, a million dollars, two million dollars, and is that what you want? Do you want them to have all of that? Uh, do you want to give some of that to charity? Do you want to do things with that money while you're still alive? I think those are really powerful questions and thought-provoking questions to be talking about. 
so let's do this. Let's start going through the yay and the nay here. Okay. Um, let's start with the yay. So for those who do want to leave an inheritance to their heirs, Pat, and you know, we're talking about some of these celebrity examples where we're talking about a massive fortune. To your point, it might not necessarily be a massive fortune, but something that you want to set aside or leave to your heirs. What are some things to think about if that's the kind of way that you're leaning? Yeah. So, and by the way, Jen, you know, in our first meeting with anyone, one of the things we want to focus on more than anything else is what are your primary goals? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's no way to do any kind of financial planning until we know what you're trying to accomplish, of course. course. And so this is one of the things we talk about. And, you know, leaving the biggest pile of money possible to heirs is not usually number one. (laughs) You know, most people would like to enjoy themselves a little, you know. So the first thing I would say is if you are really eager to leave an inheritance to your heirs, the first thing we want to do is we want to consider your income needs, of course, in retirement. And one of the things we, you know, we'll talk about with our clients is our job first and foremost is to make sure the worst case scenario never happens. And for most people, the worst case scenario would be being elderly and being broke, mm-hmm. right? So we, we need to make absolutely sure that you don't outlast your money. And so the very first thing we need to think about, how do we make sure your income is covered? The second thing uh, we need to do is we need to plan for your healthcare costs. Obviously, you know, you and I talk all the time about, you know, the different projections of how much we'll spend in healthcare and those costs are always going up. So we just need to be thoughtful about that. Once we've covered those two basics, then we can start thinking about a little more about the planning of the inheritance. And so the next stage, I would say, is understanding the tax implications of what you're leaving behind. Um, You know, different types of accounts are taxed in different ways, but those laws are changing too. So it used to be you could leave a uh, retirement account like an IRA to your kids and they could stretch out the taxes over the life over their lifetime. You can't do that now. They have to take it over 10 years. And guess what they might do later? They might make that five years. They might make it three years or two years, right? Because they can change those rules whenever they want to. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you were going to leave something to church or charity, the church or charity doesn't have to pay taxes on that retirement account. So those are little things that we can do in planning to really try and stretch your money and make a bigger impact on those that you want to give to. And that leads me to my last thought on the yays, Jen, which is just kind of the planning. There's all kinds of things um, that we can do from a planning perspective to help you make the most of what you leave behind. There's gifting rules of how much you can give to someone each year. There's use of legal tools like trusts that could be beneficial. And then kind of balancing things like your retirement accounts, like any life insurance that you have, just understanding how those will be passed along and also the downsides and pluses of tax-wise of each of those types of tools. So a lot of things to think about there if you are on the yay side. If you're on the nay side, you don't plan to leave an inheritance for your heirs for whatever reason. Let's talk about what we need to think about there. I mean, does that simplify the process? Do we not have to worry as much about planning? Or what are some things to think about if you don't plan to leave anything to that next generation? Yeah, and I I think the interesting thing about this, Jen, is we have to stop and think about why this is so complicated. And the reason is we don't know how long we're going to live. Yeah, that's true. So how do you not leave anything behind when your first goal is to make sure you're still going to be okay? And uh, I don't think I've ever told you this, but when my dad retired very early and when my mom retired, uh, we had a little gathering, a a celebration, and uh, my sister uh, her retirement gift to my mom was a book, which was a bestseller at the time, and it was called Die Broke. Uh. <laughs> and this book literally talked about how to make the most of your income and spending and giving during your lifetime so that there's not a penny left on the last day, which huh. was not only fascinating to me, but also fascinating that my sister would give it to my parents. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want it, Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now if you say, hey, I want to make the most of this money for as long as I live, that is something we can plan for. It's just very different planning. Mm-hmm. So we need to really make sure, again, uh, we've got your income protected. So that could be through things like pension and Social Security and annuities with lifetime income guarantees, uh, because you can't just guesstimate when you're going to pass away, because the last thing we want is for you to plan for your money to last to 90 and then you live to 95 or 100. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, you need to be thinking about what you do want to have happen with that money if there's anything left. And that can be fun. That can be exciting, right? Thinking about if your church or different charities and other you know nonprofits. And then there's all different kinds of tools of how to do that. And if you've ever dabbled in or gotten very serious about charitable giving, um, nonprofits love to give you information 
information on that. So you might, you know, get information about something called a donor advised fund is an example um, that's getting more and more use where you can donate your money to it and get a tax deduction now, but the money then actually give the money to the nonprofit later on. So you have a little more control that way. There's charitable trusts, there's charitable annuities. There's so many different things that we can do. Um, naming a charity as a beneficiary on your account. So there's a lot of ways to do that. And once again, both involve planning, just very different types of planning. And it's really good to understand both sides here. And I, I just think it's fascinating, Pat, when we see what's going on with inheritance trends, just how different things are today. For the longest time, it seemed like that was the end goal. You were going to save something and leave it behind. Now you have people living longer. They need to spend more of their wealth. They need it. Healthcare costs are going up. Also, the pandemic caused some people to change their mindset for enjoying life and wanting to spend some of that. Some people are saying, you know what, I'm going to leave this to somebody, but not to my kids. I'm going to leave it to my grandkids. So mm, <laughs> those yeah. Gen Xers who think they're in line for something, it, it might not <laughs> be us who gets it. They're leaving it to the grandkids. And Pat, there are people who say, I paid for your college. You know, we took yeah. care of this up front. So it's kind of interesting how our mindset is just really different with how we're looking at this now versus maybe what was going on when our grandparents were kids. It's really fascinating to me, Jen. And I, you know, I'm 48 and I went into financial planning right out of college and I started working with retirees, you know, very soon after. And people that were already retired or close to retirement, you know, back in the 90s, or early 2000s, a lot of times they were just trying to accumulate money to leave behind. And our clients now, that's not typically their goal. And I think that it's just First of all, really, really important, anyone that's working with you with your finances is asking you those questions to make sure they're working towards your goals. The last thing you want to do is have someone helping you accomplish something that's not even what you want anyway. Mm, that right. makes no sense at all. But the other thing is I think we are seeing, like you say, well, maybe the kids are fine, but I want to help the grandkids with their college. Or the, another one of the really cool trends I've seen is instead of just having a pile of money left behind where you're not around to see it, maybe paying for a trip for your whole family together and, and enjoying those moments and that time together. I think there's so many yeah, different sweet. ways yeah. we can look at this. It really is cool. And, and from my perspective, it kind of comes back to if you're sitting with a retirement planner, you're sitting and thinking about what do I really want? I worked so hard for this money. What do I want it to do for me? And hopefully that's one of those types of areas where spending time with one of our planners can be really helpful. And again, whether or not you plan to leave an inheritance to your loved one, that's entirely up to you, right? There are no wrong answers here. But Pat, if you do want to leave something behind, then having something in place, having that plan in place is really important. And I think that's what we're getting at here today. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't want to leave anything behind, you still need to have a plan in place to make sure the money will last as long as you need it to last. You might not be interested in leaving behind a fortune to your beneficiaries, but I bet you don't want to become a financial burden on your family because you spent down your savings too quickly. If you're listening right now and don't have a retirement income strategy, we invite you to call so we can help you create a spending plan to figure out how much you'll need for the retirement you've been dreaming about. Uncover the main risks posing a threat to your retirement, including inflation, stock market volatility, potential tax increases, and skyrocketing health care costs. Learn about the options for generating income in retirement and learn about how to keep your standard of living in retirement even as costs keep rising. There's no cost, there's no obligation, but it's just for listeners of today's show who have saved at least $250,000 for retirement. Call 803-9-RETIRE and ask for your retirement income analysis. Once again, that number is 803-9-RETIRE. You've been listening to Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. That is all the time we have on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next time for more insights from Pat, and we'll talk to you then. Preservation Specialists is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of tools. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income are never referring to securities or investment products. Preservation Specialist is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. Preservation Specialist is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Securities offered through Kalos Capital, Inc. Investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management, Inc., both at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia, 30005. Preservation Specialist is not an affiliate or a subsidiary of Kalos Capital, Inc. or Kalos Management, Inc.